Soaring in Health and Wellness is brought to you by Freedom Gate Church. It is their passion to advance Christ's kingdom and disciple the generations. Freedom Gate is located at 104 Tennis Center Drive, directly behind Pioneer Chevrolet in Marietta, Ohio. Sunday morning services begin at 10.30 a.m. For more details, check out the web at freedomgatechurch.net. Soaring in Health and Wellness is also brought to you by Mountaineer Chiropractic, located at 2108 Camden Avenue, Suite D, Parkersburg, West Virginia. For more information, go to www.mountaineerchiro.com. If you'd like to be a sponsor or help support Soaring in Health and Wellness podcast, please go to www.patreon.com forward slash Soaring in Health and Wellness or www.eagleswayministries.org. Hello, and thank you for listening to Soaring in Health and Wellness with Dr. Stephen Wells. Dr. Wells was born and raised in Vienna, West Virginia, before moving to Dallas, Texas. He earned his Bachelor of Science degree in Health and Exercise Science from Oral Roberts University in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Dr. Wells earned his second Bachelor of Science degree in General Sciences, along with his Doctor of Chiropractic degree from Palmer College of Chiropractic in Davenport, Iowa. Dr. Wells worked in the health and wellness industry 11 years prior to attending chiropractic college. For the past 21 years, he has treated his patients with chiropractic care, as well as educating them on health and wellness. If you or a friend or family member have a desire to soar to higher levels in health and wellness and a passion to live with a sense of purpose and vitality, then you don't want to miss one episode. Dr. Wells and his guests, ranging from doctors of all areas of healthcare to educators, nurses, personal trainers, counselors, and pastors, will discuss and inform you on how to improve all dimensions of wellness from a biblical worldview perspective in physical, emotional, intellectual, interpersonal, social, cultural, spiritual, environmental, financial, and occupational wellness, with one goal in mind, seeing you soar towards optimal health and wellness. If you're ready, let's get started with today's program with your host, Dr. Steve Wells. Well, welcome to Soaring in Health and Wellness. This is our actual first podcast, and we're so excited uh, that we finally got this up and running. It's been uh, a lot of hard work, preparation, and I'm really excited about our guests that we have on our program today. Um, Dr. Fritz Schieber was born and raised in Northwestern Ohio. He earned a bachelor's degree in physical education from the University of Toledo, a master's degree of science in biomechanics from the University of Oklahoma, and a doctorate of education in physiological kinesiology from the University of Northern Colorado. Dr. Huber has been a certified strength and conditioning specialist since 1992 and has been an educator and coach for over 40 years. He has authored several textbooks, including Essentials of Physical Activity, which is in its sixth edition. And furthermore, for the past 20 years, Dr. Huber has been serving as the chair of the Health, Leisure, and Sports Science Department at Oral Roberts University. I'd like to welcome Dr. Fitz Huber to the program. Thank you. Thank you for inviting me. I tell you, I'm looking forward to it. Um, I tell you, uh, the Lord put Dr. Huber in my path probably almost a little bit less than a year ago. And Dr. Huber, uh, there's two people that the Lord has really influenced to uh, influence my life at Oral Roberts University, and that was Dr. Paul Brennison. And he was the chair prior to, I believe, Dr. Huber uh, coming to Oral Roberts. And then in October, uh, the Lord placed in my, my path, Dr. Huber, and I thank the Lord for that. Um, Dr. Huber, 
uh, a little bit about yourself as far as uh, what you do there at Or Roberts University as far as your responsibilities, um, as far as teaching and so forth. Sure. Well, I'm the chair of the department, so I have to oversee, oh, probably somewhere around 60 to 65 courses that our department teaches and about oh, 15 to 16 faculty members. And we actually have to teach uh, all the students here at ORU. Every semester, they are required by the university to take a uh, health and physical education course. And that's part of their degree requirements. So we're very busy trying to keep up with all of them and, and trying to help them become healthier and create a healthy lifestyle, which that is our our primary goal. But then I also work with our our majors. We have several majors in our department, and the group of majors I work with are the health and exercise science majors. And so I do teach some major courses like exercise physiology, and then I also teach kinesiology as well. So those are my primary keeps me very busy job title, I guess. <laughs> it sounds like you have your 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 plate full. Uh, also, as far as I, I see that you're basically on board, uh, a board on a couple of committees, the Athletic Advisory Committee, um, as well as the uh, chair of the Promotion Committee for the College of Science and Engineering. Uh, why the, the science and engineering? Yes. Can you explain that to me? I'm sorry. The chair, the chair of the promotion committee from the College of Science and Engineering. What does that entail? Well, that is uh, the faculty that are in the College of Science and Engineering, which our department is in. Uh, the other departments are the Department of Engineering, and then we have the Math Department, the Biology Chemistry Department, the Behavioral Science Department. So I am. Uh, the chair of the committee so that people that are going for promotion, then uh, they have to go through uh, procedures and I'm the chair of that to help organize that as well as uh, put my input in on their uh, ability and their capability, I guess I should say, uh, and how they've been performing and, and whether or not they would be a good candidate to be promoted. Mm-hmm. Um, in looking at your um, your resume, I tell you, it's quite impressive. I see that uh, you were involved as the running and fitness clinic advisor uh, from January 1994 to present uh, involving the American Running Association. Uh, what do your responsibilities and title um, actually are there? Well, uh, I haven't helped them out very much in the last few years, but basically when they have their organization, they have a, a magazine they put out, and when they get questions from their membership, they would, these advisors, I'm not the only one, but there's other advisors, that they would have questions in their area of expertise, they would send the questions, and and we would respond to them to help answer these questions from the membership. So my area, obviously, was in the area of of exercise and and training, where others may get, you know, orthopedic type questions and things of that nature. Mm -hmm. 
And it also, you were the exercise physiologist for motorsports involving the Indy Racing League in Indianapolis, Indiana, and also the championship auto racing team. What um, what were your responsibilities involving with the, uh, the Indy Racing team as well as the championship auto racing team? Well, yeah, this was um, kind of uh, a good friend of mine, uh, Jeff Champion, and, and me. We started... We've been going to the IndyCar races there at Indianapolis, the 500. We've been doing it for a very, very long time. We started in high school. And, and after I've got my doctorate in uh, exercise physiology, we started looking at seeing if we could help and, and improve the driver's performance by looking at what they're doing physiologically. And so that's how it got started and and worked a little bit with uh, Dr. Henry Bach, that was the medical director there at Indy, and unfortunately he just passed away this this past year at the age of 81. But he was he helped us out, and and we were trying to collect data and trying to determine what type of stresses and how we could train and improve the driver's performance by improving their physical capacity, because a lot of drivers didn't do a lot of exercise. Some did, but not very many. So we were wondering if training would actually prepare them so they would perform better in race situations. Wow. I tell you, um, as far as Tulsa, Oklahoma, uh, you were actually raised in Ohio. What brought you to Or Roberts University? Well, it was a long path that covered many states, but ultimately uh, the volleyball position came open here while I was in graduate school in Colorado, and I got that position. That's what originally brought me here, and so I coached the volleyball team for part of my time. The other time I actually taught in the what was called the physical education department at that point, and some things occurred at the university where the volleyball team, after my first season, uh, was canceled. It was no longer in effect. And then the chairman at that time, which was uh, Dr. Jerry Clark, he hired me on full-time to teach into the uh, department. And and then I also at the same time, then I did finish up my doctorate there at Colorado, which was quite the experience being here in Oklahoma and having to travel to Colorado. And back then we didn't have online courses and things of that nature. So, so it was quite the, the path. Well, thank God for online courses. <laughs> I, yes. um, I tell you, um, I want to basically uh, mention a couple of the sources before we uh, actually get started uh, in talking about health and wellness just because I don't want to miss anybody um, as far as that goes. And, and these are some of the textbooks and so forth that, that, use in, that I believe that you use in your program at one time or still do. And uh, the first would be the health, the basics. And that is written by um, uh, Rebecca J. Donatelli. Uh, we also have Connect Core Concepts in Health, basically in its 15th edition. And that's by uh, Paul Enzel, Walton Roth, and Claire Enzel. And we also have our famous exercise physiology book and in the book as well as fitness and wellness. 
And the book also that you are author of is The Essentials of Physical Activity, The Sixth Edition. Um, I tell you, I haven't read the whole book, but I am reading the book. It's an excellent book. And I want to basically uh, talk to you a little bit about that, your textbook. And in the first chapter, uh, you actually, on the first sentence of your book, you note that people are increasingly becoming health conscious and are seeking knowledge about sound health practices. And you discuss the historical search for the health as far back as 1513, and even centuries before then, all the way back to the Old Testament. Can you explain a little bit about that or go into a little bit of detail on that? Sure. Uh, You know, almost as long as man's been on earth, you know, of course, after the fall of the garden, uh, you know, diseases and, and injuries and things started occurring. So man was wanting to be healthy. The problem is looking and searching for health was in the form of some type of Oh, something they could take or something they could consume or or as Ponce de Leon, you know, looked for the fountain of youth. So there was something that they could bathe in that would keep them young and healthy. Uh, it, so it's been going on for centuries. And unfortunately, most of the different types of things they looked for or they tried was actually very harmful and actually they died from it. So they weren't very successful at looking externally of trying to find health. You know, as we come forward to uh, today, you know, we're still in that search for health, but I found it's kind of moved more towards looking young as opposed to actually being young. So they, all these types of things that people do, you know, they go and get Botox, you know, and now the big commercial on all of our stations here in Tulsa is low T, you know, for men, we have this low T that if you, you know, increase your testosterone levels that all this vim and vigor and everything will muscle and will come roaring back. Well, that's really not it's not that simple. <laughs> well, that's correct. I tell you, um, you know, you know, the thing is, as far as I was kind of, you know, back to uh, back in the history there, it's like that. I was always kind of taught in history class as far as that uh, people came to the West to discover gold or to start a new life. But you had mentioned that uh, historians estimated that at least 25 to as high as 50 percent went to the West, particularly the Southwest, which I believe would be your area as far as Tulsa and also Texas in search of health. And I found that it was very interesting. So forth. Right. I didn't see that. I didn't see that in the textbook when I was in elementary school, but that was interesting. Um, as far as, um, you know, going right. back, there's, to... go ahead. I'm sorry. I was just, yeah, I was just saying, you know, because of the warm and dry climate, a lot of people felt better a lot of times just because of being warm as opposed to being cold in the colder climates. And then also the dry air, a lot of times, um, you know, they it helped them to breathe easier and such. So it does have some positive benefits to it. But, of course, just living in that environment, 
is not going to heal you just by being there. That's correct. Um, I, I tell you, as far as the uh, the, the current health search, um, also that was talked about in your in your book, as far as cost, what we're spending as a nation. And you said basically in 1982, there was an estimated $50 million that was spent in the United States on diet, exercise, and health books compared to over $1 billion in 2013. And you mentioned that the National Sporting Goods Association reported in 2014 spent $60 billion on sports equipment. How many people out there actually, you know, went out and bought equipment? Uh, they bought bicycles. They bought um, exercise uh, things that they do that just basically sit there in their house, underneath their bed, you know, in their in their uh, garage. Would you say it's probably <laughs> quite full? Um, and then, um, yes, uh, they say they they say that if you want to buy exercise equipment, that you just need to go to a garage sale or a yard sale because <laughs> everybody ends up selling their equipment and it's fairly in fairly good shape and hasn't been used that much. So it's a lot cheaper than buying brand new at the store. Mm -hmm. And you had mentioned as far as just the, the American people that they spend over $330 billion per year with all these fitness sports, uh, leisures and so forth, $330 billion a year spent on exercise, nutrition, uh, books uh, just to try to find health. And I tell you, it's it's great that uh, we're able to do this uh, podcast because this podcast does not cost you anything as far as being able to listen. And that's the goal of the podcast here uh, with Soaring in Health and Wellness. And that's why I, I look for doctors basically in all areas of healthcare. And even uh, we look for uh, PhDs, doctors who uh, you know have studied exercise physiology, such as Dr. Huber, and helping to provide a means and a way to help you, our listeners, to actually excel or go to the next level in all areas of health. And, um, you know, I tell you, back in the day, you know, they were looking for, the big thing back then was these vibratory uh, waist belts to help uh, flatten your abs or give you the six-pack or eight-pack abs. Do you remember that? Yes, I do. Yes, I do. Yeah, they... They ended up doing some research on that, interesting enough, and they found that the amount of calories that you burn by doing that over, like, say, an hour, you would get those calories back in if you ate, like, a stalk of celery or something of that nature. It was, it was, it was nice if you could just sit there and have a machine do all the work for you and you could lose weight, but unfortunately, that's not how the body works. That's not the way it works. I tell you, and, um, you know, as me being a chiropractor, I'm sure uh, other chiropractors across the, the states and so forth, as well as doctors, uh, a lot of times, uh, a lot of responsibility when patients come into our office is pretty much put on us. And, um, you know, you, you had mentioned uh, in that book also that the health professions need to place the burden of health in the hands of the individual, making it their responsibility to, to adopt a healthy lifestyle. And if our patients would only know that and recognize the fact that they are responsible, they are the ones that control either they go through life it, uh, with disease, sickness, or they can change their lifestyle into one that's healthy uh, and, and working on that, um, that lifestyle as far as to bring about health. And we'll talk about that health continent. I wanted to talk about an, um, basically a diagnosis or a syndrome 
so forth. Um, as far as the sedentary environmental death syndrome. But before I go there, um, the National Institute of Mental Health notes one in four adults between the ages of 18 and 44 and one in five children between the ages of 13 to 18 have a diagnosable mental disorder in a given year. So that's one out of four adults and one out of five children are having a diagnosable mental disorder. And a lot of those you don't really hear about because of the stigma. And I don't really want to get into uh, the emotional mental health because that's not uh, where I want to start today. I want to basically lay a foundation of what health and wellness is and also talk about the nine dimensions of wellness so that we're looking pretty much from our overall health. And in this, um, the sedentary environmental death syndrome, which was coined by Professor Frank Boot, identifies this deteriorating condition. And SEDS, which is the mnemonic for sedentary environmental death syndrome, uh, will cause 2.5 million Americans to die prematurely in the next decade. SEDS will cost two to three trillion dollars in healthcare expenses in the United States in the next decade. Chronic disease has de uh, have decreased because of physical inactivity, and in the United States, type two diabetes adult onset has increased ninefold since 1958. Obesity has doubled since 1980, and heart disease remains the number one cause of death. And um, Dr. Huber, uh, is there anything that you want to add to that, or do you see that as, as, as um, pretty much a complicating factor as far as uh, in Tulsa, since it's a little bit warmer there compared to West Virginia? <laughs> well, unfortunately, I just got some uh, recent information about looking at the different states who exercise the least. And unfortunately, uh, Oklahoma is not doing so well in that area. So, um, but, but yes, you know, they've been doing a lot of research in this area of sedentary. And of course, we're more sedentary today than ever because most of our occupations do not require physical activity like they did 50, 60, 100 years ago. I got some recent data that said that the average American spends 10 hours a day behind a screen. So wow. most of that obviously is actually sedentary. So if you figure 10 hours a day of sedentary screen time, and then you have eight hours of sleep, then you're not looking at very many hours for any type of physical activity. Research has been showing that that sedentary behavior is what's leading to a lot of our disorders and the increasing of a lot of our disorders. And it really doesn't take much. It's just a matter of getting up and moving periodically or standing instead of sitting. Uh, just a lot of things you can do during the day, even though you have an office job, you know, and you have to be at your desk and you have to be behind the computer, you know, just taking a couple minutes to get up and walking to the bathroom and back or climbing a flight of stairs, you know, every hour or so then throughout the day, that that really makes a big difference. I'll tell you, um, do you, do you remember a, a saying back probably 20, well, it's been a while, it's like that. Remember the commercial that they said, got milk? And there was a mustache of a milk, you know, the milk mustache that says got milk. Do you remember that? Yes. I yes, you, I do. 
I was uh, I was reading one of the textbooks, and I forget which textbook it was, but they kind of changed that, and it said basically got health. Now I thought, wow, how true is that question? I think I ought to get a shirt that says got health, question mark. But, um, you know, there's a proverb that says, he who has health has hope, and he who has hope has everything. You know, so I tell you, that's, I, just, that's an excellent uh, proverb there, um, because if you do have health, you know, a lot of people, you know, would you, would you rather have health or would you rather have money? Well, I tell you what, money, you can have all the money in the world, but if you don't have health, that doesn't really amount to anything because that's where all your money is going to be going anyway. <laughs> Help your health there. Um, that's correct. Yeah. Yes, that is. Yeah, I know a lot of times um, individuals, you don't think about your health when you're feeling good and you're healthy. But as soon as you get sick, even if it's just with the flu over the winter time, all of a sudden you realize how important it is to have good health. And being sick is not fun. No. I tell you, um, you know, connect core concepts and uh, insole, Roth and insole. You know, there's a lot of definitions basically on health. And I see that, you know, where health had began probably about 30 years ago or some. And um, in this in this one typical Definition, it refers to overall health as it refers to overall condition of a person's body or mind and to the presence or absence of illness or injury. And then if you look at the World Health Organization, they define health as more than just a physical state. Uh, the World Health Organization leaders proposed a more progressive definition of health. Health is a state of complete physical, mental, and social well-being, not just the absence of disease or infirmity, and this is from the World Health Organization uh, article, Constitution of the World Health Organization, so forth, 1947. And then if you look at um, the author as far as Dr. DeBose or R. DeBose in the We Are Shaped by Surrounding Events, he defines health as a quality of life involving social, emotional, mental, spiritual, and biological fitness on the part of the individual, which results from adaptations to the environment. And that concept of adaptability, of the ability to cope successfully with life's ups and downs becomes a key element in our overall understanding of health. As being an instructor, you know, teaching, so like that, can you see, have you seen the different meaning of the word health and how people respond as far as kind of changing their definition in the textbooks that you've seen during the, I guess, the 20 or 30 years that you've been teaching? Yes, the health is a hard concept because when you feel fine, you consider yourself healthy. But that doesn't necessarily mean that internally there aren't things going on that that really are going to ultimately make you unhealthy or die early or develop some other kind of disease or disorders. So they really have struggled over the decades trying to decide what is what is health or what's the perfect definition of health and and is it just something we feel or they've they've just struggled with it and they've come up with some other different topics like I think you've said before like wellness wellness seems to be the one that really kind of encompasses all aspects not just physical but also mental and spiritual and all these other areas that are important to us. Right. Um, I tell you what I see as far as, um, and then you, and then another 
definition you may hear of. You know, you have health, you have wellness, and you also have the wholeness. And there's an article that I was reading, and it's basically describing the biblical definition of wholeness. And this is from uh, www.faithandhealthconnection.org. It's the connection, spirit, soul, and body, wholeness, biblical and Christian perspective. And they basically wholeness, you know, is like you said, it's defined as the state of being perfectly well in body, soul, mind, will, and emotions, and spirit. And I'm going to jump probably a couple here, so I'll try not to lose you. But as far as Oral Roberts University goes, um, that's where I, back in 1985, that's where I finally was the, you know, the seed as far as the whole person, education, spirit, mind, and body. Um, can you kind of elaborate on that as far as being a, an instructor there and also being the chairperson of that uh, strong uh, Department of Health and Science, since it's a, a strong component of Oral Roberts University, and how it and also how it separates their university from other state colleges or university. What sets them apart? Well, President Roberts, back when he was alive and he founded the university, really believed in the whole person needed to be educated, not just the mind, which all universities educate the mind. We also, obviously, the spirit, which if you were going to a a Christian school, you know, you could get that. But to have the body as well, to ignore the body, the other two do uh, suffer. So to have the whole person, you need to include the body. And, and he was big in, in creating the program here at ORU to develop the whole person. And I'm a firm believer of it obviously, or I wouldn't be here. And it's it's something that I'm not sure of any other university at this time does it. I know there's a, a few out there that are looking at trying to incorporate it to some degree. It's funny, many years ago, probably 30, 40 years ago, uh, most universities did require some type of physical education courses for their students. That was important. And then of course, as it got into the 70s, I think it was, then the universities kind of shifted from the physical aspect and got more into the intellectual aspect. And the physical has slowly been decreasing ever since. We're even down into many high schools. Their students do not even uh, have any type of uh, physical education type course or or whatever. I know I saw some statistics just the other day that was talking about that only one in three high school students actually get at least 60 minutes a day of some type of physical activity. That's one in three. Well, you incorporate the one in three and then you incorporate back to that 10 hours in front of a screen and you're really looking at generations that are growing up being very physically inactive. And even here at Oral Roberts University, the classes I've noticed over the last few years, the students are coming in at a poorer health than, well, I shouldn't say poor health, but their physical capacity is much lower than uh, previous uh, years. And it's all relating back to this not worrying so much about the body 
it's the intellect, you know, and, and of course we have a lot of good Christian kids here too that are interested in the spiritual as well. But there's a lot of research that shows that if physical activity isn't there, I mean, studies have been coming out recently about how physical activity really can decrease the amount of, of individuals prevent uh, Alzheimer's disease and how it improves learning. So it's, you can't ignore the body. In my opinion, I, I feel like it's a three-legged stool. You know, you can balance if you have just two legs, but it's difficult. But if you have all three legs, then it's a lot easier to sit on that stool and it's not going to fall over on you. I tell you, that's a, that's a very strong, you know, you mentioned the, the children and so like that, as far as, and go back uh, and talk a little bit about that SEDS, that, um, that sedentary lifestyle that you were talking about. You know, um, I tell you, approximately about a year ago, uh, of course, I have three children that I've been blessed with that were all basically uh, act, active in sports and, uh, and talking to you be, uh, prior to the program. Uh, your kids were inactive in sports as well, and you being a coach. Uh, and I was a coach, but not to the degree that you were a coach. Um, but anyway, so my my lifestyle basically was a lot of sedentary. You know, you figure being a chiropractor, it'd be active, so forth. But when I would see a patient, I get up, walk to the office, treat the patient, go back and sit down at my computer, and then I get up and go to the, treat the patient and so forth. But once I would leave my office, I would go either to a drive myself to a sporting event. Sometimes it'd be two hours, sometimes it'd be three hours, sometimes it'd be less than one hour. But you know, we had three children that were all active, different ages. And so it seemed like from a big part of my life was pretty much either driving, sitting in a bleacher, or sitting after I got off work, sitting at home. And then after you sit at home and watch your program, then you'd go to bed. So that was pretty much sit, adjust, sit, sit, and then you'd go lie down. And so, you know, they, they were fine now. So my lifestyle, I was weighing 221 pounds and um, I wasn't feeling very good. So my road to health was not a great example. And uh, my, during that time, my, my uncle had, um, had passed away after suffering from a major stroke. And he was pretty active, but he didn't do anything cardio-wise. It was pretty much just weight training, weight resistance, and so forth. But anyway, um, and so I thought, man, I need to, do, I need to ch- make some changes, lifestyle change. And so that's when I started exercising and tried to do it on a daily basis. Uh, you know, your your kids are your worst critic. I don't know if that's true for you, Dr. Huber. <laughs> yes, it is. I tell you, but as far as back I, with, uh, I, go ahead. Well, I was just saying it's it's so easy to be inactive. I even have that problem sometimes here in my office, which is in a fitness facility that if I get on my desk and I'm working and at the computer, you know, several hours can go by and and I haven't hardly moved at all. So it's, I understand how it's, you know, it's not easy. It is something that you have to actually plan to do because it just won't happen on its own. I tell you, you know, and, and going back to that article, I keep on going back to the article, um, back in the exercise physiology there, as far as with um, F.W. Booth. And, um, you know, they basically said that the children are now getting SEDS-related diseases. They are increasingly overweight. 
and they're showing fatty streaks in their arteries and developing type 2 diabetes, which is basically a disease that was formerly restricted to adults, but now they're seen in young children. And, um, you know, some of these related conditions with SEDS, you know, the high blood cholesterol, the, the type 2 diabetes, the, uh, the depression, the uh, chronic or back pain, um, you know, just severe debilitated illnesses. And they're saying that the efforts to lessen time, like we've been talking about watching, just if you lessen the time that you watch TV or you sit in front of the computer or you play your video games, and if coupled with increases in physical activity above the daily routines, that could substantially decrease the prevalence of, you know, the SEDS that we've been talking about. Thank you for listening to Soaring in Health and Wellness with Dr. Steve Wells and his guest. We would like to thank our sponsors, Freedom Gate Church, where it is their passion to advance Christ's kingdom and disciple the generations. Freedom Gate is located at 104 Tennis Center Drive, directly behind Pioneer Chevrolet in Marietta, Ohio. Sunday morning services begin at 1030 a.m. Find more details on the web at freedomgatechurch.net. We would also like to thank Mountaineer Chiropractic, located at 2108 Camden Avenue, Suite D, Parkersburg, West Virginia. For more information, go to www.mountaineerchiro.com. If you'd like to be a sponsor or help support Soaring in Health and Wellness podcast, please go to www.patreon.com forward slash Soaring Health and Wellness or www.eagleswayministries.org. If you or your business or church would like Dr. Steve Wells to speak at your church, special event, or conference, please go to www.eagleswayministries.org or send an email to eagleswayministries at gmail.com or call 304-485-6589. Until next time, think of Isaiah 40.29-31. He gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. Even youths grow tired and weary, and young men stumble and fall. But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. <laughs>